0: Celebrating our music heritage, right here on the Friday Wind Down.
1: It's 10 after 11 o'clock. Welcome to the third and final hour of the show. And it is the Friday Wind Down and uh, the artist we're speaking to today, Nakane Mavuso, who is a singer, songwriter, novelist and actor. Nakane, good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Good morning to you too. Thank you for inviting me.
1: You are always jet-setting and travelling mm-hmm. the world. So, dare I ask, where in the world are you joining us from today?
0: Uh, it, London. Oh. I almost said East London, but then I thought that was going to be confusing. But <laughs> the actual East London, not the colonial East London.
1: Oh, okay. So, <laughs> so, 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 you're home then? You're home? No, 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 no. no. The actual East London. Oh, like oh, the, the, L- oh the actual East, East... London. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. not a, not a mondi
1: oh no, you're not, a, east, mondi. Uh, oh, not okay. a mondi oh okay
0: and, and no, uh, i live in london now i've been living here for about five years and, but and, i come and, back home a lot
1: yes and, and that's why i'm asking that you you, you jet set quite a lot and so i wanted to 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 first be able to locate you um what would you say is the, the biggest difference between the east london emondi and the east london which is the real london
0: <laughs> hmm. Well, I lived in Tanzania for a year, which is very close to East London and Mountie. Mm. And I don't know. I, the, it's the Well, it's South Africa and, and England, two completely different countries. The people are different. The culture is different. Um, the only thing that I find intriguing when I come back home, and I was actually home about a week and a half ago, and I was, at, I was in Makanda. Mm. And... You know, when you've lived in a country that colonized your country, you start to see patterns, you know, like mm. the architecture in Makanda and in, particularly in Eastern Cape in general, is so it's so reminiscent of the architecture of England, which thrills me and enrages me at the same time, <laughs> you know, so that's the major difference for me. Mm, mm.
1: And, and why does it thrill you and enrage you?
0: certainly because I see it and it, it creates um inspiration for what I don't know um it enrages me because well colonialism is you know was there to, to squash us it wasn't there to create something with with us you know the, there isn't any form of collaboration that I see in the architecture I just see a complete copy and paste of the architecture of England, particularly the English, the English, um, uh, the English uh, villages, particularly in Makanda. Mm.
1: Nakani, you are considered to be one of our best exports as an artist, and I'll say <laughs> an artist because you do so much, um, sort of in the creative space and in the creative field, and many people uh, aspire to be able to have careers that can sustain them beyond this country's borders. Talk to us about your journey, where it began, and how you were able to build it into what it is today.
0: Well, I made the choice that I wanted to be a musician professionally at the age of seven. I was singing in a carols evening. I was singing Silent Night. And I remember mental making a mental note while I was singing it. There was something about the feeling, there was something about um, the joy of performing for people, but also, but also just the, the beauty of music that really resonated with me. I always I'd always loved music. I was always singing with my mom and my aunts, always. And singing for myself. I used to sing myself to sleep when I was a child. My grandmother used to make fun of me about that that I used to, that was my self-soothing. And so from that age, seven, when I decided that I wanted to be a musician, I worked towards it. I studied every instrument that I could you know, lay my hands on at school. Luckily enough, we were, a, we were a very musical school. Everyone was pretty much forced to do music up until maybe grade five, so up until they were 11. And those of us who were passionate about it, could continue and i did and i never stopped all that happened was that my you know my vocation widened it wasn't just about music anymore it is about art in all its facets and i remember having a conversation with an aunt of mine who asked me so nakanya what do you want to be when you grow up and i said i want to be an artist i think i was 12 at this point and she asked me okay but what kind and i said the one that comes first you know. So I, when people ask me advice about how to get to where I am, wherever it is I am, I can't give advice because so much of what happened in my life to get me where I am, to to the career that I have, was, you know, I don't want to say coincidental because that seems too cheap a word to use, but things just happen. You write songs at home and then you go perform them and then there's someone in that crowd may, who has a record label and then they want to sign you or they don't want to sign you. And then you write more songs and you put out an album and you just keep on, as I always say, whacking at it. It's like a sculpture. You just you you have this piece of marble and you, you find the shape of it. And the shape is always
1: changing. So these songs that you were singing and were singing to yourself to uh, self-soothe, where were they coming from?
0: Oh, that's Rebecca Malope. Rebecca Malope was my <laughs> was my Rebecca Malope was my queen.
1: Oh, I did not expect oh, that.
0: I know everyone everyone is surprised when I say that. She's the only person I've ever been starstruck by. The only person. And I've and I've met and I've met like world, like the most famous people in the world. Uh. But she's the only person. I remember we were at the Salmons and we were at the breakfast we're having breakfast, and she was having breakfast, I think about two tables away from us. And I was so nervous. And my partner had never seen me like this before. Because I'm I'm a cynical person in general. I'm like, Ugh, whatever. You know, we're all singles, whatever. We're all the same. But it was the first time that I went to Abbott and said, Mama, your music. And I couldn't even get the words out of my mouth. I was so in awe of her. Because she, she soundtracked so much of my childhood.
1: Ah, oh, you know. That, that is an experience that I think a lot of us can relate to, being able to meet somebody who is iconic, I, I think, in South Africa, but also just iconic in your world, right? Uh, yeah. Because of of just what she meant to you. And, and as a child, how you take on some of these things is perhaps different when when you're thinking about them as as an adult. So, okay, so now level with me here, Nakani. Which of her songs were your favorite? And and don't lie, tell the truth. I don't know.
0: It always just resonated with me. I, I guess maybe I had a difficult childhood, and the song touched me somehow. Just this whole thing of the, the, the yeah, sure, your your waking life is difficult, but something else afterwards. There's something kind of really beautiful about that. And she's, just, she always sang with, of course now, you know, as an artist and I've like gone to art school and I understand you know, the theatrics of performance art, et cetera, et cetera. I can see that, but beyond the technique of performance art, there's something about her in all her songs that is so giving, all the emotion, all of it, like not, there's no, <laughs> and for some people this may sound bad, but there's no subtlety. If she's hurt, she's hurt. She holds nothing she's back. Nothing, nothing back. And if she's and, and, and if she's joyous, she's joyous. All of it, zero to a hundred. And I really, really love that, especially as a child when, you, you you know, it's not in your faculties to regulate your feelings, to regulate how you respond to something. You don't care that something is cool or not cool. It either touches you or it doesn't.
1: So sort of growing up, you know, having having this icon and, and looking up to this person and knowing that you, you feel so strongly drawn to music, what would you say was the overriding factor that convinced you that music and, and artistry is what you want to do? Um, Because, of course, so many of us uh, as young children see ourselves, you watch TV shows and mainstream TV in particular, and we all sort of see ourselves on American idols winning (laughs) or South African idols. But, 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 But I do think that there's something about the story of those and the journey of those that end up following that path that is different.
0: I had a mother who told me all the time that I was the best. She didn't tell me I was good. She didn't tell me that I could do it. She said, you are the best, <laughs> you know? And, and there's no one who could, t- who could tell me in this world ever and no one who can tell me now. I, I mean, the best part, I don't believe in anyone because I, I don't believe that there's anyone who's the best of anything um, because we're all so different. But she gave me enough self-worth and self-belief to to jump right over the detractors, to jump over people who who said that art or music in particular at the time was not a worthy pursuit. Why why did I think I was so special that I convinced my school not to do physical education? Even though I was a very good athlete, I was one of the fastest sprinters in my school. But I came to a point, strange enough, this, this conviction was so strong in me at such a young age around 11, 12, that I spoke to the teachers and said, I would rather be in the practice room practicing music at the time I was playing trombone and steel and drums and piano. I'd rather be practicing those instruments than spend an hour and a half or two hours running around the field when I do that at home anyway. And they allowed me that.
1: That's absolutely incredible. And it just shows, you know, the power of confidence in a child and of course the role of, of mothers, the role of guardians in instilling yeah. that confidence uh, from a young age. We're in conversation. Because who, because who
0: else is going to do that for you yeah. when you're a child, when yeah. you're such a sponge? you know. Yes, of course, teachers and friends and whatever, but the person closest to you, the person, I don't know, that, you, you know, acts out this thing called living, you know, your mother and she tells you i'm that no one else can do it like you mm. oh why mm. why wouldn't you believe that mm. thankfully i had an honest mother because when i did have a bad performance she was the first person to tell me that was not good but if i was amazing i was the best
1: <laughs> we're in conversation with nakane Mavuso who is a singer, songwriter, novelist, actor. And I love just saying that he is an artist because I think it's it's really all encapsulating in terms of the image as an artist that um, Nakani has been able to put out there. We're going to take a quick break. I'm back with him, with them, rather, not with him. He is gender Thank non-binary, binary, so I'm back with them and more of their music after this
0: celebrating our music heritage right here on the friday wind down
1: it's the friday wind down we're in conversation with nakani and nakani one of the things that uh, i was talking about of course as we went to that break was um the fact that you are gender non-binary does it Mm. make a difference being a non-binary person living elsewhere in the world than in south africa because of the levels of patriarchy misogyny and i think i don't want i don't know if i can characterize it as as misunderstandings of of who people are that often we we hear about
0: no no there's this misconception that europe is freer um Mm. it's, it's not freer. it's different uh, South Africa is a complicated, because whenever I do interviews, there's this idea from European publications that, oh my God, are you free now that you're in Europe? And I go, I was free at home. Free in a different way. Free in different spaces, right? But there's this growth of the right wing in Europe. And when I arrived in, in London in 20, late 2017, there was a sharp rise in homophobic attacks. And you know, transphobic attacks. So I found it kind of comical that these European countries, particularly these European publications, still saw themselves as, I don't know, the light outside of dark, outside of the dark continent. We have our problems in, in in South Africa, in Africa in general, make the mistake. But I think we mustn't forget that we have one of the one of the most liberal constitutions in the world yes it's not practiced all the time <laughs> like all legislations in the world but South Africans in particular have you know have that to back them hopefully when they need it to be when they need to be backed by it but secondly for me what I loved the most and still love the most when I come back home particularly to Joburg is the fact that queer people have opened up their own spaces. They find their own spaces and they find each other. And there's this sense of experimentation of not only queerness, but of what life can mean outside of, you know, straightness or heteronormativity. So for me, I don't know. I don't know if it's any, I, I, I don't know how to answer that question without taking it back to how beautiful that experimentation is at home.
1: And it's so refreshing to to actually hear that because often of course we see um, the worst case scenarios, we see the horrid examples of what is happening in some of our communities including mm. you know the attacks that you've talked about that happen in London we know that that happens here at home as well yeah, and, exactly. and 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 it's refreshing to 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 hear you um, say that especially because of course uh, you know a number of, of years ago you were what what we saw was just um, I I don't know whether it's right to say that there, there was there was a rise but there was a a deliberate backlash against the campaigns um that were being run publicly to 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 better inform people around queer mm, que- mm-hmm. queer people around lgbti uh, q plus and and that was just the resistance against that was just so strong and I think it actually helped to refuel um some of the tensions of and, and often it's not a a full reflection of how ordinary south africans feel
0: that's the that's the part that really that i find most important is that yes there's the legislations and the constitution can be great but are we actually educating ordinary south africans about what these things are and for me the only way that i've seen that being done is through media you give the marginalized space to tell their stories on their own terms and then you see and and then kids out there or even older people see themselves through that representation and they realize oh there's nothing wrong with me so and then that emboldens them hopefully to live life to their truest truest, you know in their truest sense of course we understand that sometimes it can be dangerous and i am not of the belief that like Come out, come out, wherever you are, because sometimes that can be life endangering, right? But what it does for the for the individual human being, besides like I don't know, emboldening them to be an activist or whatever, is that it reinforces a very important thing that there's nothing wrong with you, because everything, everywhere, what particularly, I mean, I remember re, re, like growing up in the nineties. And there was this campaign, whether these media people knew it or not, but there was this campaign that there was something wrong with us, that that, that we were only allowed if we were making, we we were the butt of the joke, you know, the assistant best friend who's there to do your hair or paint your nails, but never as full human beings like other heterosexual straight people, particularly men, So for me, what I find most exciting in this time and age, I mean, I I just watched this TV series called Becoming, and it's centered around Black trans people and their stories and their struggle and their triumphs, because it's not only struggle, right? We forget that, it's like, there's so much joy. There's people who've been through so much adversity have found a way to create this beauty and joy in their communities. And that's what I want to celebrate, but not forgetting the adversity as well. Because, I mean, look at America. Look what's happening in America, the land of the free, where people's freedoms get taken away just like that.
1: It's an important so, reminder, yeah. what you're saying, that the struggles that uh, and the conversations that, that we're debating and having as a nation are not just confined uh, to our borders, but different parts yeah. of the world are also navigating that space in perhaps in different ways, but very much still trying to, uh, to find their way. Uh, and and I think that th- that is important uh, to to also put put out there as as an experience, uh, you know. And 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 I love what you said about our constitution and what it offers to to people that are in this country. Because uh, I think the con- constitution takes a lot of backlash uh, as well these days. So it's important uh, to to understand that the freedom. Um, that, that is given to us in that constitution is a freedom we should never take for granted and, and think exactly. it's always greener sort of on the other side. It's time for your latest <laughs> headlines. Um, I'm back with Nakane in a moment. Nakani, I'll give you a chance to, to come in and, and share that thought. Of course, I'm also back with more of their music.
2: morning with the headlines at 1130. I am Dino Aung. No police have been deployed to the Angelo informal settlement in Boxburg, east of Johannesburg today. This after 17 people died following a nitric oxide gas leak on Wednesday. In other news, the Northwest Public Works and Roads MEC has ordered an internal investigation into a 134 million rand tender that was awarded to a contractor who had previously abandoned two projects in the province. And a 31-year-old man who was caught on video stealing a basket of goods from a Woolworths store in a Durban suburb during the unrest in July 2021 is expected to be sentenced in the regional court today. A full update follows at the top of the hour.
0: Bridget Masinga on SAFM.
1: Let's talk around this term. In essence, what do we mean when we talk scarcity mentality? When we talk about scarcity mindset, we talk about People who believe they
2: have limited resources. So it's just a mentality where they believe that they have limited resources. People usually would interchangeably use it with stinginess, which is opposite of generosity, where a person just withholds what they have. Mm. They find it very hard and uncomfortable to share. So basically the resources are there. But for them, withholding is the best thing they can do. That's their lifestyle.
1: Professor Angelina Mapule, who is a clinical psychologist. The
0: Full Circle, Monday to Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Celebrating our music heritage, right here on the Friday Wind Down.
1: Ah, that was Hold Me Down by Nakani. Nakane, I'm wondering, you know, being a South African export uh, as as an artist does that influence your artistry and because you are mostly now performing to what is an international audience um, are there ways in which you find you, you have to package um, your music you have to package your your productions for for the audience
0: hmm, that's something I need to get better at actually. <laughs> uh <laughs> my head is too much in the clouds
1: yeah thinking
0: you know, thinking only about the art and forgetting that that this is a commodity and you have to make a living uh yeah but from a anthropological point of view i i think of myself first and foremost as a south african which means that i'm an immigrant here and so i know that the first thing that is written in any biography about me when I'm written about or when I'm introduced is that I am a South African artist. And that's very important to me, that repetition, that people don't forget that I am a South African artist, that that is is and will always be my point of view. That's where I learned to be a human being. That's where I learned to be an artist. So even if I don't make... At that particular time, in that particular song, a traditionally sounding, a traditionally South African sounding song, make no mistake that a lot of it, if not all of it, is still very informed by my South Africanness. Particularly, and this may be problematic, problematic and fabulistic, but particularly my personness.
1: You talk about your Kosanis, Nakane, and um, it was precisely that Tosanis that uh, sparked a great deal of debate. <laughs> <laughs> I was
0: like, I was like wh- "Where is this going?" <laughs> you know, go on, it's, fine. Okay. It, it's been long enough
1: now. Yeah, I, I think it has been. I think it has been. Um, you know, cause a great deal of debate. Uh, when you, mm. of course, were, were cast in England by the Wound, um, that particular film, I think, receiving, you know, very mixed reaction from South African audiences and some, I think, hostile reactions too. Um,
0: not to the art, not to not to whether the film was good or no,
1: not no 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 i absolutely not no, absolutely <laughs> yes, because not i think that's important it, no, yes, to remember yes yes that. you're right you're yeah. right you're right it it didn't have to do i mean i particularly thought that um you know the cinematography of of the film was just beautiful and and the mm. ways in which the story was told um because it really in many ways was letting us into a process that um, I think across cultures is is deemed very, there's a lot of secrecy around it um, Mm. and and very little transparency as to, okay, so when young boys are undergoing initiation, they leave their houses, they arrive at the camps, and then what happens? And that seems to just be a no-go area, you know, um, that, Mm -hmm. that shouldn't be spoken about, that shouldn't be asked beyond sort of, that 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 location and, and it involves only the people that are there that need to know mm. what goes on there um, mm-hmm. wh- what do you think that that particular film did and, and I want to ask that question from the perspective of your work as, as an artist because I do think that you are intentional about what you do, how you put mm. your imaging together, I- including, you know, from a brand perspective, that th- there's a lot of thought that goes into how your artistry is 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 packaged and, and what, what do you want the intention of that to be at the end of the day? What is the impact mm. that, that that you that you really want to drive as an artist?
0: Well, that's a twofold question, and I'll, and I'll answer the first one, well, first. That in, and the first thing I'll say is that uh, the misconception was that the film was, a, was an expose, which it was not. Um, a lot of the people who were against the film hadn't even watched the film. People were enraged by the idea that the film existed. And then they find out, found out that three of the characters were involved in some sort of love triangle. And then they were like, oh, and then they found out that three of the characters were three men. And what I realized, and I did a lot of talking, did a lot of interviews, I, did, I talked a lot about this film, like to the point where there came a point, I think about two years later, where I stipulated with my management that I don't want to talk about it. Time has passed now. And I'm okay with it again, but it was, it, it, so much of, a, of the anger was about the homophobia. And for me, what irritated me about it was that people said, those things don't exist. Love between two men cannot exist in that space because it didn't happen to them. And I was going, well, your experience is not the only truth. It is the truth, your experience. Nakane has their experience. Sipo has his experience. Zintundu has his experience, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they all matter, and they all deserve to be represented in a in what I believe was a beautiful film, a beautiful film about love, but also a beautiful film about we, you know, uh, the peeling back the layers of what masculinity is, and the performance of. a a, a certain kind of masculinity, a hard masculinity, a masculinity that will not allow itself to be vulnerable, to be loved, and probing that, asking yourselves the questions of why maybe a lot of South African men don't want to be soft, don't want to be seen as as people who perhaps need to be held, to be cuddled, to be loved, to allow themselves not only to question their choices in lives, but also to allow other people to question their choices in their lives. You know, so this thing is not—it's not even about like, like it's not even about you can't do this or I want to do this. It's about the fact that we can all do whatever we want to do with our lives, as long as that is not infringing the rights of, of other people to do that with their lives, right, or hurting anybody. The second part of the question. Is that I? I see art as a, as my spiritual practice. You know, I used to, I used to be in the church, and I was a very conservative kind of Christian. Um, my joke to people is that I was the kind of Christian who believed truly that Jonah was in the whale and lived inside the whale. <laughs> you know, that it was that was not a parable; that that was the truth; that it happened that way um and so and so uh and so when i left the church and then got ex- excommunicated i asked myself a lot of questions which I, which i'm still asking which was what do i believe in now because atheism se- seemed too severe and so for me the only thing that i could do was go back to or at least go to because it, it didn't exist in my life at that point. But I, ideologically, go back to who we were before the contact of Christianity, which was closer spirituality. Thankfully enough, I have aunts and cousins who are izangoma so I had people who can help who could help me understand what that meant, and I was frightened. Because for a long, long time, I was told that that kind of spiritual practice was not only a sin, but demonic. And so to go back there and explore that kind of spirituality has taken a long time, but it's also opened my eyes to the fact that there's no right or wrong spirituality. They all lead to the same thing. Be good to your fellow human beings, be good to nature, etc, cetera, etc, cetera. be humble. You know, they, they share so much. But right at the center of that, right, what I believe is my calling is to be an artist. That's my spiritual practice, around, I mean my course of spirituality, of course, as well. But right in the middle of it is making art, and hopefully art that is meaningful to me first, and then meaningful to other people as well. And whatever state.
1: That, that the way that you have articulated that is is absolutely beautiful do you find you. that as a consequence you have to explain yourself a lot oh god <laughs> all the time all the time what, sometimes what, i feel, what, like what, just, I feel like, what, yeah go
0: ahead uh, yeah so sometimes i feel like just my near existence in a room has to be explained mm-hmm. and what? now you know i've and, and I used to, I used to take so much pains at explaining myself, explaining where I come from, explaining my vantage point in certain things, how I see things, why I do certain things, why I don't do certain things. Um, now, now I choose whom I explain to. There's certain people that I'm not going to spend my energy on. Certain people who are resolved in their misunderstanding of Blackness, Africanness, queerness, whatever. And it takes too much energy to try and explain to those people why I need to be seen as a human being. Because that's what it boils down to that I need to be seen as a person who deserves as much of the same rights as you, what even though you're maybe, and this is a a very stereotypical scenario, say you're a white straight man, right? And you want me to explain to you what, you know, Steve Miko said about black consciousness. So you want me to explain to you what Simon Coley was talking about when he was talking about you know, being gay and black and being part of the ANC and being incarcerated, all of those all of those layers. I'm not willing to spend my energy proving to, my, to those people that I'm a human being. You know, Toni Morrison says something really amazing and she's probably my second favorite writer in the world. And she was saying that white people come and say, you don't have a civilization. And so you spend all your time Proving that you have a civilization. Instead of doing the work that you were supposed to do, that you were brought into this world to do. They say you're not beautiful. And you spend all of the time proving that you're beautiful. Instead of just concentrating on what really matters. Mm. The work. It's exhausting. And
1: it's tiring. And, And I can imagine that the shift, of course, that brings in one's life is that you you don't live your life defensively. Yeah, you're able to live and live out truly who who you believe is the truest and what you believe is the truest form of yourself. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And and I mean, it's and it,
0: yes, of course, a lot of it is, is is about me and my feelings because you know I well I experienced them firsthand because they mine right. But then I think about my sisters, I think about my cousins, I think about my, you know, the people who raised me. And I think about how they should also just be living life. You know, there's that joke of being a carefree black person. They should also be living their life as carefree black people. They shouldn't always be worried that they need to explain that they have a right to live. That's ridiculous. Just talking about it is insane.
1: Nakane, I've got a couple of WhatsApp voice notes from some of our (laughs) listeners. I'm also mindful of the time. I still do want to squeeze in one song before uh, we wrap up our conversation. So I'm going to take the voice notes and then give you a chance to respond.
2: Morning, 6.30. Morning to the legendary Nakane. We dance again. (laughs) I love the song We Dance Again Uh, with Black Coffee. DJ Black Coffee, uh, what a great song, what a great song, one of my all-time favorite. A uh, uh, very quick question to um, the legendary Arnakane, how did the the concept of uh, the song "We Dance Again uh, come? Who contacted who? How did you get in contact with Black Coffee? I love the song, I love the song, I wish you can play it for me, uh, Sisketi. Thank you, Gresho, as always. In your work. Good morning, Katie. This is Annette Endevin. Oh, Katie. You know, this interview, it's like it was meant for me. Uh, you know, for me to, to compliment the child, to recommend the child, it's not on my tongue. It's just that I, I'm, I, don't, I don't know or it's just I'm a perfectionist Ngoge uh, star. I always want 100% for me to compliment. Since from today, I'll make sure that I compliment even everyone, not a child only, oh, it is meant for me. I have to learn to compliment people. Thank you.
1: Oh, wow. Th- thanks for those WhatsApp voice notes. Nakani?
0: Those are so beautiful. And thank you so much for those kind words of to both um, of those people who sent those voice notes. Um, the first one, I'll answer the first one. We dance again, actually, uh, Black Coffee contacted me. He, 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 he sent me a, uh, a DM on Twitter um, because he liked my song, my first single for my first album called Fog. And He said we should do something. And I... At first, I mean, I, I, didn't, I couldn't believe it. I thought, this ah, these things never happened. And then I finally went to his studio and we wrote a song and we worked on it and it wasn't what became We Dance Again, but that never came out. But, and, and I thought, oh, well, nothing will ever come, come of it. But then he contacted me again. He said, come on, Macaron, we have to do something. And finally we did We Dance Again. And that was an easy song to write. I was really depressed actually when I wrote We Dance Again. And I was happy that I was working with someone else and I was working on a beat that he'd created, right? I didn't have to think about the music and the harmony and how the production was working. All I needed to do was write the mu- was to write the melody and the lyrics. And the joke now, years later, after, after it came out, I think it came out in 2015. Yeah, 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 so 10 years ago. Um, yeah, no, God, eight years ago, was that Black Coffee and his management didn't actually know what the song was about. <laughs> until I told them after it come out and it was a hit <laughs> and it's a little racy yeah. but the song is about the song is about um, being brought back into l- being brought back from a depressive state by your lover using you know the the corporeal the body I know it's a family show there's certain things I can't say <laughs> yes I'm, <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm about to it. beep 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 yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But it is also about, it's also about the idea that you don't have to harm yourself. You can allow yourself to accept love. I think that's one of the most difficult things that people, you know, face in this world. They can love other people, but they can't, sometimes it's difficult to allow yourself to be, to be taken care of, to be loved. And that's what we dance again. It's like, you know, and although at the end of the panel, although it seems like we're in a tunnel, we're in darkness and there's that line at the end, but still we dance again. You know, we'll come back. So, at the end of the day. <laughs> There's, always
1: yeah. There's, always There's always light. There's always light. Yeah. Yeah, yeah hopefully.
0: And, and, then the second per- and then the second person, I just want to thank them because I think it's really important to, um, it's, it's really important to, uh, to understand that in this world, particularly for people of color, for, is that just existing is a miracle in itself. This idea that we always have to be the best at everything, It's good because it helps us work hard, but it's also really dangerous because we don't see our other accomplishments. So getting up, doing your work, averagely is a miracle in itself.
1: Nakane, we have run completely out of time. Out of time. Thank you <laughs> so much for coming onto the show. I know it goes mm-hmm. so quickly, right? It goes hello, so quickly, hello. and there's hello. so much time. I mean, there's so many different things that uh, we can unpack, especially with somebody like you who has so many different things to offer. I think as mm. as as a, as conversation points, uh, because there is so much to you, and I really uh, want to appreciate the fact that you made time uh, to chill with us on the friday wind down on the talking point today and that of course is nakani he's out in east london now not emondi but the real east of london as he puts it and of course uh, you can follow um, nakani on the various social media platforms that are available and we really appreciate their time today.